This is the Chris Cast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 139 of the Chris Cast. I am your host, Sodi Hubertson. With me, as always, is Irvin Lachlan. That's not right. Lachlan Irvin, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing it. Is kind of in full effect again, isn't it? Well, yeah. It's in it's in it's it's in full it's in full swing. Yeah, we got the we got the whole we got everything going here. Uh games are on. Uh it's good to be back doing this again. Uh games. Yeah. It's <laughs> good. good, yeah. As we plug it every episode, watch our YouTube channel. You can see me doing air quotes for the games that we were referring to because if you're not aware, NHL preseason is in full effect. Louis Erickson has scored his first goal in a new uniform. Jonathan Dolan is flexing hard in the shootout. And Mackenzie Blackwood is not playing for New Jersey because he's an idiot. Well, uh, yeah, not yet anyway. Well, but, but Cody, he's, but he he's still needs his time. time. He he's does taking his time. time. I, I didn't think I, of it. I, look, I, you know, I saw, I saw people being like, I saw a couple of people were like, well, he's taking his time, you know, so it goes as like, look, you've had a, you've had over a year you knew this was coming yeah do not sit here and pretend that you're weighing out all your options or that you're (laughs) reading all of your science journals as if this wasn't a thing you knew was going to be a part of the plan like at least at the very least you knew in what may maybe july like maybe excusably yeah I had a yeah. feeling this might happen, but yeah. for for Blackwood too, it's like has he killed all goodwill he had after being like a, a Calder nominee or like a Calder favorite at one point for New Jersey, like just killed any goodwill yeah. he may have built on that team. Yeah, probably. Like, I mean, I mean, the Devils aren't exactly a franchise that we think about a lot here in Vancouver. Like, they don't really yeah. have any. They don't have any. Excite. Really, if it wasn't for Jack Hughes, like we wouldn't. Or yeah. and I guess Luke Hughes now too. We wouldn't really care yeah. and hear about them. <laughs> they're very like they're. I I I've always want. There's this project actually. I've always wanted to do where I've always wanted to see who is like the most like which Canucks opponent is like the one everyone thinks about the least. Like they're not the most hated. They're not the mm-hmm. your absolute favorite. They're literally smack dab right in the middle. Yeah. I feel like that's New Jersey. New Jersey is that team in my opinion. It's, it's them. Yeah. Well, I think there was a stat last year where it was or not last year, but the year before where it was like the Canucks had hadn't beat New Jersey since like 2010 or something or 2014. That don't, that tracks. It's, it's something I, weird I, like I, that. But yeah. besides that stat in my head, I'm like the only reason Canucks fans even care about New Jersey is if one of the Hughes brothers makes fun of their team. <laughs> That's, That's it. Otherwise, That's nobody cares. Yeah, like think of like it. Like think about how many times, like how many times in the last so however many years has a game against the Devils started at like ten in the morning on a Sunday. You know, yeah. like that time where they're very much burying this game, so nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> please don't it, anybody like, watch this. Yeah, please don't watch this. I think the la- literally my only memory of a recent Devils Canucks game is when, um, oh, it was that terrible game where Philip Larson like got just went head first. Oh, when he boards. got murdered. 
Yeah, like yeah. that—that's that, my my most vivid memory of a Canucks Devils game in the last however many years. Before that, it goes back to I remember one time I went to see the Devils and the Canucks at uh, what was still GM Place, I believe, at the time. Uh, <laughs> it was Luongo versus Brodeur. Uh, so like the key, the Canada matchup, like before the 2010 Olympics, like around that time and Luongo walked away with the five, nothing shutout win. It was incredible. Jeez. Yeah. Marcus Nasland was still on that team. I believe that was a, oh, that's how long that's ago like that a was. long time ago then long time ago. Oh, at least Jeez. 08, at least like 708. in my head. I'm like, Broder was their goalie for so long. It could have been like two different eras in which <laughs> yeah, you saw him play against uh, Luongo. Yeah, yeah, it could have been, it could have been, it could be two, it could very easily be 2008, or it could be all the way in like 2013. 2013 or whatever. Yeah, yeah like exactly. Man. Like whenever I think, like, okay, we're totally off topic, but I always, look, I always think of like, it, yeah, this pre-season, pre-season. doesn't matter. You're not really listening to this for the current events, so bear with <laughs> us here. I, we have to get this out, but how lame was it that, I mean, if you're a Canucks fan, it's awesome that New Jersey traded their pick for Corey Schneider that pick became Bo Horvat they Canucks fans have got their captain out of it and but it sucks if you were like a really big fan of Corey Schneider because he went to New Jersey and basically had to play second fiddle to like a 38 year old Martin Broder who didn't want to give up the net and so like Corey Schneider's prime years like injury free years were just completely wasted yeah that sucks he had a he had just some of the worst luck possible. Like I've often maintained, like I've maintained in like, and this was even before they traded him, just so we're not like going on the off like hindsight thing. Mm-hmm. Like I was very much on the train of no, you should trade Schneider over Luongo. Luongo's still like one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, one of the best goalies of all time. Don't trade him in favor of Corey Schneider, especially because Schneider potentially could fetch more on the open market because he's younger mm-hmm. and has a more manageable contract. Um, but I think he could have been a lot better than he ended up being simply. It just happened that he got so unlucky with injuries down the, uh, down the stretch. Like just as he was getting to his opportunity to really hit his prime, he got getting hurt all the time. And it's such a shame. Did you, do you know where he is now? Do you know where, what team he plays on? Isn't he on the Islanders on a PTO or something? He sure is. He is an <laughs> Islander now. I believe he's fully. I believe he's fully signed. I think he's. Uh, oh, okay. I believe he's oh, like yeah. the fully signed third string guy now. Uh, for them, uh, I could be wrong, but I believe that's uh, what happened to him. But you know, good for him for staying. Uh, staying around. Staying yeah, active. he is. He. I believe he's. Uh, it looks like he's signed. Yeah, it looks like he's. Uh, uh unless they uh, bought him out of his last contract, I think he's still technically on the contract he signed. With the Devils potentially, I could be totally um, off. I, I feel like totally... he's been on. I feel like he's been on like one year, like over thirty-five year old contracts for the last like three seasons or something like that. Oh, you I know would... what? So he got bought out last. Oh, you know what? You're right. He is on a. I think he is PTO. on a PTO right now. He is yeah. on a PTO right now because what happened is he got bought out last season by the Devils, uh, and last year he played on League Men for League Men for the Islanders. And I guess right now he's on the PTO potentially to get that opportunity again. Cause I don't know. They don't is cause they have uh Varlamov and uh, Sorokin right now. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, Schneider potentially is your third string there. Right. That's not bad. Um, Anyways, guys, welcome, as I already said, to the Crease Cast. We're actually going to talk about the Canucks very shortly. We're going to actually talk about the bad news first because, well, I mean, just bad shitty news? news. Not really bad yeah. news, just, 
just crummy. Uh, it's We're, it's on yeah, it's unfortunate. It's yeah, sad. We'll get the crummy news out of the way first because there was actually games to talk about, and those are fun. A lot of takeaways, both good and bad. And so let's uh, get right into it. First things first, though, on the crummy news, still nothing on Pedersen or Hughes contracts. Neither signed. Um, just earlier, before we were recording, Satyar Shah via at Taj 1944 on Twitter reporting that the Canucks contract talks have been delayed because of something over contract bonuses or signing bonuses and just like the Canucks reluctance to actually add signing bonuses into the first years of their deals. Just little just, just little it's info we're not over. we're not putting necessarily a like a an opinion there it's just that's no, it's it just, is what it is it is it, what it is <laughs> it is what it is it's uh like i don't how worried are you like seriously uh, like right now how worried would are you worried are you even worried at all because i mean well, part of me is like i'm not like part of me is very like zen about it but also part mm-hmm. of me is breaking out i'm very much in like two camps on that one it's definitely like a 50 50 situation because I, I have like Jim Benning's really rough on signing free agents to contracts. Like he always just kind of pays like the premium. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to re signing or re upping like his young guys that have been drafted, like Horvat's on a killer second deal, Besser's bridge deal, you know, it's high and there's a really high qualifying offer. But like I have faith that Hughes and Pedersen's deals are going to be like as good as they can be given how hamstrung they are by their own cap uh, problems. So like on one hand, I'm like, I know they're going to get signed. It's going to happen. They're not going right. to like miss the entire year. Might They might miss like a week of like the season for all we know at this, at this current rate. Um, but I have a feeling they'll still be decent enough deals. It, they might suck if they go, walk them both into free agency but i think the dollar value will be good enough that maybe everyone looks at this and is going you know they made the best out of a bad situation asterisk that they created (laughs) exactly that's what i was gonna say it's like it it shouldn't again it shouldn't have been like this and i feel like we have this conversation Every like not show. every, every show, yes, like, especially, show? Late, especially lately, like yeah, with yeah. the Pedersen Hughes thing. I mean, you kind of have to, right? We, we have to, obviously. It's it is as long as they're not signed, it's the most important thing. It's the most important story about the Canucks until they're until they get back. Yeah. Like no matter how great Jack Rathbone does, no matter how much Danila Klimovich defies the odds, no matter how amazing Mikey DPHR looks in a game, uh, until Pedersen and Hughes are signed, they're the main story. The thing is that it feels like so many times even in this show's short history mm-hmm. that we have to have the conversation of of well we knew this was going to happen a long time ago and it didn't have to go down like this like yeah. i think back the one that i always think back to is the whole conversation right before the playoff bubble where there was a lot of talk about how the Canucks were basically trying to decide between uh, keeping Brock Besser or Tyler Toffoli. And right. obviously the Canucks made a choice there, but the thing was, and the, and if we're, if this is exact, if this, that was the name, like the decision-making process, uh, they made mm-hmm. probably the right choice on that. Um, the, the thing, the, the thing is they, if they had managed their cap space better, 
if they had done a more a, a better job at un, at deciding where money was going to go and where to save it and where to not spend, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have had to make that choice at all. They could have very easily had both of them. Yeah. And right now, the Canucks are in a, a situation where they very easily, if they wanted to, could have signed Patterson and Hughes to long-term to long-term contracts paying them as much money as they wanted more or less within reason right maybe maybe they can't pay them the full 12 percent 20 sorry 20 percent of the cap uh that they would both potentially want but they could at least pay them more or less in a blank check sort of fashion and for however many year the max amount of years you can get out of them right they put themselves in a spot here where they can't do that where they essentially have to are going to probably have to take a huge huge risk of only getting 5 years out of two of their best players and walking them right into free agency and if the team's not good enough in that time by that time you might have just lost out on your greatest core the greatest core in franchise history before they could even fin it reach their full potential but have you ever considered that COVID exists and it only impacted the Canucks and only them. <laughs> only the Canucks. Only That's them. right. That's, That's right, everybody. Um, God, God. One of those, one of the things, the other bit of crummy news that is actually playing kind of in the Canucks' favor. And uh, like, it's kind of funny. It's not funny, but it's kind of funny that for the second yeah. year in a row or second season in a row, um, COVID is somehow bailing out the Canucks front office. Because if you guys don't know, Travis Hamannick is still not at training camp. Uh, Despite Jim Benning saying uh, last Wednesday that Travis Hamannick would be here, they would be all 100% vaccinated, and he would be good to go. He's still not here. He's uh, last reported still in Winnipeg. He's mulling over a personal situation, which... I mean, at this point, you, if you're Jim Benning or the Canucks organization, you, you, you gotta just basically say what's going on. Even if yeah. it's a personal matter, the speculation yep. and the people that are doing their jobs by investigating what the issue is, uh, are just going to keep prying into it. And it's well within their, they're well within their right to do so because you can't start out your, training camp for the season by saying a player is going to be here and then him never show up. You you can't just expect a media group like the one in Vancouver to just be like, yeah, okay, we're not going to question this. Like he's been the GM here for almost 10 years. Surely he would know that Thursday morning when Travis Hamannick didn't report that, People were going to start asking questions like you yeah. had to know. It, it's it's like when you tell it's like when you tell a toddler, hey, don't go in that closet there. You're not allowed to go in that closet. Be- now, yeah. all that toddler is going to care about is what's in what? the closet. What do you got in there? Like, yeah. is there cookies? Is there like yeah, a why bunch can't of I go in there? Like it's yeah, exactly. Like it's 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 very much a case of sometimes like you have to be just straight up with people because otherwise it's just going to cause more problems later. I, th- and there was the whole thing about, uh, there was the Ben Kuzma article where he talked to Benning and basically Jim Benning was like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I like he was fired up and you know what? I'll say this. Like in, I understand that, you know, if he's wants to defend his player, like I get that that's something like if you're a GM, that is kind of something you should be doing. 
Like you shouldn't sure. be like you, it, it is kind of your job to keep your protection on your players. But part of that protection also means saying, Hey, uh, yeah, the reason he's not here is because he's unvaccinated. That's why, mm. like, don't just say, you don't just say he's dealing with a family issue. No, you have to be straight up about it. You're causing more issues, frankly, by not just being upfront about it, especially because again, someone's going to find out and people have found out already. Like it's yeah. one of those cases where, again, we haven't like, I think if you're here, like even like the meat, like the most of the media people are being a little bit like careful about it where they're not being like straight up. He's not here because he's unvaccinated. They're being like, it seems that way, but yeah. that's their way of saying we basically know, yeah. but until we, they say something, we can't official, we can't a hundred percent tell you, we can only tell you with 99% yeah, certainty. It's, it's like a, thing. It's like um, because October first is the opt out date. So basically, three days. All all of the media, the best they can do is all signs are pointing to yes, but until the press release comes out October first confirming it, we can't confirm that this is like exactly what it is. So, yeah. but the rampant speculation that Benning has a problem with, like he's created it himself. Like I almost wish, like he just like. He has all these guys' phone numbers. He should just be calling them and be like, hey, this is the situation, but I need you to not report this or go public with it. But you got the speculation has to stop because yeah. I can't have people prying into like his personal life. He doesn't want a Toronto situation where I think I think it was Steve Simmons or whatever that somehow found out that Marner or Matthews, Matthews had got COVID, COVID in Arizona, which is yeah. like a huge like I don't know how he found that out. Yeah, I, I will say, like, so I, I remember people at the time being like, this is a HIPAA violation. It's like, well, no, that's not how HIPAA works. But yeah, like, it, you probably didn't find it in the, you know, you don't know, Steve, I, I don't know Steve Simmons' sources, but, uh, you know, he probably, I don't know how he got that information, but it's probably interesting. Yeah, I, I can't imagine one of Austin Matthews' Arizona pals is, like, chumming up to Steve Simmons and DMing him, being like, oh, bro. Matthews has got COVID, but don't say anything. Like, there's <laughs> no way that is happening on any planet. So right. I don't, you know, that I'm accusing him of doing anything shady. Like how he found this shit out. Yeah, no clue. I, I, yeah, I it was it was it was that was a very weird that that particular scenario was very weird. This yeah. is one of the, but this is one of those cases where you could very easily shut it down. Like it it because right now, like it was either case of either you know if you're Jim Benning. Either say he's not if this is not a COVID issue, a hundred percent zero per chance, not a COVID issue, uh, not a vaccine thing at all, or you say yes, it's a vaccine thing. Like right. you just you you pick one because either yeah. by just being going by trying to like skirt through Toe the middle, the yeah, exactly. By trying to like go right down the middle, be like it's a family thing and being as vague as you humanly can about it. Yeah, you're just opening. You're frankly you're opening him, Travis Hamanick, up to more issues frankly and it's like i you know it's hard for me to quest i'm not sure how i i don't know what to really say about hamannick in this situation yeah, really can't, because really. there's not much we can say other than you know again and i said this on uh uh lock on locked on talking about it today or earlier today which is just you know if you're listening if you're somebody who's listening please go get vaccinated if you're not like that's mm -hmm. that's we've all said in stress. every episode please go get vaccinated but like yeah. you said the the proper avenue here would be to just like take a positive stance instead of toe the line, because not only is he subjecting Travis Hamnick to some kind of like vague speculation that could damage his character. He's also 
doing himself and the organization no favors because yeah. it looks like they're using like Hamannick's kid or his family issues as like a like a scapegoat yeah. to try and get around I mean if total speculation here but say for example on October 1st they're like yeah Hamannick doesn't want to get vaccinated because he believes they're bad for his kids or whatever so he's going to opt out for the season yeah um you can't like yeah, oh, you're, you're... my brain is like melting just thinking of this whole situation. He's 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 setting himself up to now be like we we're making the fan base turn on each other and our organization for like making like guilt tripping them into thinking he's like doing something out of the benefit of his kid, and then if it turns out he's like an anti-vaxer and is you know has some preconceived notions that it's bad for his kid it's gonna look really bad on jim benning or the org for trying to guilt trip everyone into thinking that these were all good intention holdouts or something it's gonna make him look terrible and the organization yeah. look terrible for getting mad at the public or the media for speculating on exactly what it turned out to be so it just could, stop to, towing the line. To certain people, it could look like you're trying to defend. If it turns out that he is not, and if he, if it turns out that uh, he's not, that he doesn't want the vaccine for uh, like uh, anti-vax kind of reasons, you could be. It could look to some people like you went out of your way to defend a guy for an anti-vax player, like and yeah. to like and to <laughs> protect an anti-vax player. Which to right. a lot of people, especially right now, that's not they a good. I don't want to hear that. And I'm I'm not saying that's how that's I'm not saying that's how say you or I would necessarily like treat it. Would necessarily mm -hmm. like say it that way. But for it's hard to not view it like that, right? Yeah, it's hard not to view it that way. And especially for other fans, they might not be like they might not be as like willing to like look past that kind of thing and yeah for very good reason like people have lost lives over like people have lost family people have members. lost family members they've lost you know grandparents they've lost parents they've lost, they've lost brothers sisters right like yeah it's a very dicey situation it's, that's and a perfect way of putting it october 1st couldn't come sooner mostly because like i'm I, like I'm, I'm sure you and I are both tired of speculating and seeing people yeah. tweet articles being like, "Oh, the rumor is currently this." Like, this I don't want to see the speculation about this. Yeah, I just this, want it confirmed. Yeah, this, this, this just makes me sad. Like, it's, it, I, you know, Pedersen dealing with, like, say, the Pedersen and Hughes thing. Like, yep. that's hockey. That's sport. That just happens from time to time. That's part of the gig. This kind of stuff like this just makes you sad. It just doesn't, it, yeah. it makes, it may, it's just disappointing. It's not fun to talk about. I really don't to, wish we didn't have to, but it's like, to, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Right? Like it's just, it's just a bummer. To quote everyone's parents growing up. Um, we're not mad. We're just disappointed. Disappointed. Which was yep. the worst thing you could ever hear from yep. any parent or teacher yep. or whoever, any person you look up to. You, you heard that you knew you were screwed. Um, exactly. But anyways, but, that's enough of the crummy news. Although one thing we should kind of touch on as we roll oh. into the, as we roll into like actually talking about hockey stuff is oh, yeah. that the, what happens if he doesn't, if he doesn't come back and if he doesn't, right. if he opts out. So essentially um, should he right now, it, should he opt out of this or should he retire? That's been talked about. It's been talked mm -hmm. about that he might retire. It's been talked about that he might opt out. 
And I believe, uh, I think it's the Vancouver Hockey Now site uh, reported yesterday that he's interested in, that his camp is interested in moving him to a U.S. team, essentially, and that they'd be open to that. Um, As far as the Canucks are concerned, you're kind if he's not going to play, which already is bad enough because frankly, the Canucks right side defense is in a, not a great spot right now. Yeah. It's in, it's not in a great spot right now. It was not good with Hamannick on the roster. And now with him gone, Brady keeper injured, it's like getting into yikes territory. Exactly. Um, So if you're the Canucks, I mean, you're, you're, and he's not going to play. You kind of hope he, you kind of hoping he retires, right? Like you're hoping that's the, the that's case the here, right? So you get that full three million dollar cap hit, right? Because that that like you said earlier, uh getting PD and Hughes signed a, a deal that like really get lets you maximize the dollars they want, and maybe even on terms where you still retain some control, that extra three million can probably go a long way. And they're yeah, they're they're probably not asking for it because I think what they would rather have is a three million dollar right shot defenseman who's actually pretty like okay for their yeah. lineup. Um, but yeah, like gonna, if he's gone. That right yeah. side is terrifying. Yeah. I'm going to throw <laughs> a name at you. Well, specifically, I'm going to throw a name at you that actually Rob Williams uh, at Rob, the hockey guy suggested in his article today yeah. as somebody is like, who could be a potential replacement. I don't know what kind of a cap hit he would necessarily command right now, especially considering how close to the season we are. Mm-hmm. It might be decent, but uh, Jason Demers, is his name, is his name. <laughs> that's been talked about a couple times before. I I don't know. I don't know a lot about say his like underlying numbers, but I know. Oh, I know quite a few people talk about him having like being pretty good, pretty okay in terms of like the his uh his possession metrics and uh, his ability to uh, uh not get caved in in his own end of the ice. I think he's. A, I've heard he's a decent defensive defenseman. I don't know what your thoughts are on the idea of say Demers coming to Vancouver. You know what's very funny is that earlier today I was on CanucksArmy.com. Shout out to CanucksArmy.com. Um, and one of the suggested articles on their site was an article from 2017 that was titled Jason Demers will not waive his no movement clause to go to Vancouver. And it was from 2017. <laughs> oh, no. I was oh, like, no. I was like, oh, oh this, well. this came out today. Someone must have asked him this. And I clicked it and it was like, September or something or other, 2017. I was like, oh, well, that's time weird is another. Uh, the, the yeah, it's time is a flat circle. That's yeah. the uh, that's the actual takeaway here. Uh, so, what do you think about Thomas Vanek coming uh, coming around, <laughs> yeah. like coming to Vancouver this year? Uh, Hear, me out. Hear me out. Let's get Yarmer Yager here. I think. Oh, that's. I a, think that's he's turned the clock a, back. As a, I think as he can play right shot defenseman. Kid. Yeah, sure. you know you can. Who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Let's put him on D and see how he does. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't yeah. skate that well. And he Tyler Myers at forward. Though. Yes, we're it's season three hey, of the show. And we're still Kreescast, on that wagon. Team Crease Cast is all for Tyler Myers at forward. Yeah, they can't do it now because they he's the their line right only. Now. Yeah, he's their only uh, viable right shot defenseman that they have, which is. <laughs> I mean, why don't we get straight into the games, okay? Yeah, let's Canucks, yeah, let's talk about the game. Let's talk Canucks about had preseason startup, and their first game was a bit of a conundrum because people were mad that the Seattle Kraken's first game in their history, preseason or not, wasn't broadcast on the main Sportsnet channel. I totally get the outrage. Apparently, yeah. the, like the Toronto Maple Leafs had like an intra squad scrimmage that was 
broadcast they sure did they got and they can't broadcast this like white game it's uh it's like okay Sometimes, like, I definitely think there are points uh, in, and I uh, I know some people will not, like, be saying this, but I do think there are some points in, like, here in Vancouver where we get a little bit too, like, crazy about the whole uh, Toronto this, Toronto that media kind of thing. But when you do things like play an inner, like, broadcast an inter-squad game for the Leafs on national television and then don't show the first, like, the first exhibition game of literally a brand like a, new like NHL brand franchise. Team. Like I have no idea what run. you're doing. That's like, such an easy, like you will get so many viewers on a preseason game yeah. for that. Like I get, like I'm sure Toronto people are interested in whatnot in like the, in the, in a, even in the inner squad games, but they can't be that interested in that. Like it's like the, the Toronto Montreal one. That's one thing. That's an actual preseason yeah, game. That's between a two game. different teams. That's an actual hockey game. It's not a scrimmage. And then you don't show like, again, it's not even about the Canucks really. It's about the fact that you didn't show the damn Kraken on their first yeah, goal. The brand like, new franchise. The, Come the on. First game and they iced basically their whole NHL lineup and you yes. didn't show it. Uh, <laughs> like so we'll get into it was that. Wild, wild <laughs> so- stuff. So the Canucks iced pretty much like the buildings of an AHL team. More uh, or Arter Silovs was their starting goaltender. Uh, Danila Klimovich got uh, top six time. Uh, Yoel Levy was in. Rathbone was in. Vinny Arsenault was in. Like it was pretty well just the AHL team versus a full on NHL squad. Like yes. that wasn't. That wasn't like the Kraken trying to get like a look at their AHL like players and see who's who fits. It was Ooh. straight up. We are building our franchise. This is our squad. Like Giordano was out there. Eberle was out there. Like they had the they rolled out the red carpet for their team in their debut. They were and, smart enough to go. This is our first game in in this market. Like even yeah, if it's a game in it's Spokane, gotta count. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna ice the best team we can and sell that thing out. Like we're yes. the, this is not a yeah. Like and obviously I don't blame the Canucks for not like being like whoa we're gonna match you with yeah, everything yeah. we got right now because frankly that would be they that'd be care. that'd be a silly that'd be silly. Yeah. And I mean you know what I'll say this for the AHL guys. They did. Great. They held their own. They did great. They honestly did really great. Like, uh, and maybe that's just because we're 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 still scarred from the last time the Canucks played an expansion team in a preseason <laughs> game, yeah. and they got smoked nine to four by an AHL Golden Knights team. Yeah, uh, that was embarrassing. That was a, beyond that hell. was like a bad sign of things. Oh my god! Yeah, season. I rem I remember I remember being like, oh, it's just the preseason. Who cares? <laughs> and then I was so mad. <laughs> they the game lost. happened, and you were like. Oh, no. I was livid. I was like, how did you lose so badly to the yeah. damn Golden Knights? And then it ended up being, yeah. and then they ended up being a conference uh, yeah. a conference winner. So like, okay. No, it, it made it okay. Maybe that, it made it okay. Maybe history will repeat itself and Seattle will be a conference winner and go to the cup final. Maybe. Oh, why? History will repeat itself God, I hope not. God, I hope not. That would think, of, totally think about it. Fine. But if you didn't watch the game, the Canucks got out to an early lead. They were up three nothing, I think, after the first period, or two maybe no, mid, they went up two, two nothing. nothing, then three nothing in the second, and then the wheels kind of fell off a bit. I would, Seattle started I would say getting we'll, it together. 
I'd say we double check, but there's no uh, there's no box score from this game. There's I nothing. believe just specifically because I think this was technically an exhibition game and not like a an actual preseason yeah. game, which yeah. I don't know why there's a difference between those two. I don't know why there's like a, a yeah, I don't understand why there's a diff why there's the NHL qualifies those as two different things. But yeah, here we are, still a hockey game featuring hockey it's, teams. Like yeah, it, they're still working like they're both te- like both teams are still figuring <laughs> out their roster, using it to figure out their rosters. They're not taking. Though the Kraken did take it pretty seriously. Like they, they came in with a mission. Maybe they pulled like the stats team off of the Kraken Canucks game and made them work the uh, Toronto Marlies or uh, Toronto Maple Leafs inner Scott squad <laughs> game instead. They're like, they got the, the NHL's in on it too. They're just like, we got <laughs> yeah. the whole crowd. We got yeah. the whole gang here. And here's Amazon to film another, a oh, new, God. a second season of All or Nothing, which by the way, I feel like we might have to watch just out of, oh, out of yeah. morbid curiosity. We might have to do like a watch along, like at some point on our, di- it'll on our be, or uh, yeah, October 1st is going to be spicy because that drops and the opt out date is then. So we're going to yeah. have a lot to talk about then. Um, but yeah, first game. Who stood out for you? First game standouts for me, Danila Klimovich, number one. Um, the fact that he's playing, like like I, like we're saying, we're not like, we're not over-exaggerating when we're like, they basically played an NHL team. They literally played the Seattle Kraken's NHL squad. Maybe and it was a bunch guys of guys. Yeah, maybe two are going to be like their AHL team or something like that. Yeah, but that's it. That was it, it was basically an AHL squad versus like like considerable vets in an NHL defense. And Philip Grubauer started that game, and Chris Drieger finished it. Like that's their one and two goaltenders. That's a hundred percent an NHL lineup. Like and no questions, hands down. Yeah. So for me, the 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 three big standouts to me were Klimovich, Silovs, and Rathbone, and all for pretty well the same reasons Klimovich because he was holding his own looking pretty speedy and showing some offensive pop against an NHL team in his North American debut Silovs because I don't know anything about him except for what David Quagelli talks about on the next <laughs> conversation and most of the time I tune out but this th- like when he played I was like you know what I know a few things about him something about the glove being out being active an active glove i don't know what he's talking about half the time i mean it's never asked me these things but i'm a goalie and everything but i mean whatever (laughs) but we'll let me just backtrack and say goaltending is the worst position in the world and i think Mackenzie blackwood um kind of proved that today with his uh really insensitive remarks but anyway Silovs looked really good uh, again against an NHL team. Like he was holding his own against NHL shooters. The wheels fell off after the Canucks gave up a power play goal. And then he got shot in the fucking throat with a shot. Like, I don't care if they lost five, three, because he was great up until when they got like the third goal past him. It's like, who cares? It's an AHL squad, and he was holding his own really well for a kid who's only played two one games. pro game. I think before this, I think he two, played. Yeah. yeah, he played one for the Moose, the Meese, the Mice, and then last and year. Yeah, I think he played one and then came clean and did cleanup duty in another. Like, I yeah, think that was that's it. it. And I think he was. I think he may have backed up Di Pietro or Demko for the Canucks last year, but like he didn't actually play or do yeah. anything. But no. still, barely played in a game or North American games at the pro level in the last year and a half. And he held his own look great. I was thoroughly impressed. And 
his skill in that game makes me very excited for how the AHL uh, Abbotsford Canucks goalie situation is going to shake up because we'll get it in the second game when it comes to the other goaltender. But the third most impressive uh, player for me was Jack Rathbone started really brutally on a pairing with Luke Shen. I thought Luke Shen looked really bad. He looked very slow. He had a tough night. Just passes were awful. He tried to play physical, but it just kept making more work for Jack Rathbone to try and make up for it by regaining possession. But he looked great. And he scored the opening goal. It'll go down in history as the first person to score a goal against the Seattle Kraken. So he's got that going for him in a meaningless game, like whatever. But it'll be some weird trivial pursuit quote or uh, fact somewhere. Uh, Uh, But for you, what were were your, uh, your standouts? Honestly, the guys you mentioned were all pretty much right in there. Um, you know, I think I I will say just shout out to Brock Besser for his goal in the in the first period. I I I was so like just seeing him like tee up that shot on the power yeah. play was so it was such a it was such a signature Brock Besser goal that it was really like a moment. It's like it's like that moment where you really are like hockey's back. This is this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I pay this is what I pay to see. Like this is this is the thing. And this is it. How many how many times last year too where people were like, man, we just need to see Brock Besser ripping that one timer again. Like his shot looks off or whatever. His wrist shot's yeah, exactly. always been great. It's always been lethal. But seeing him pop that one time, and you're just like, oh baby. That and again, Brock Besser on an baby. NHL goalie. That was not on a yep. PC. That's not on a guy going to the AHL. That's on Philip Grubauer, who he's probably gonna play five times this year. So that's a that's important. That's big. <laughs> All um, five. All five. Are there five, are there only five? I thought there were maybe like six in there. Either way, it doesn't really matter. But like, you know, Grubauer's probably going to play in a lot of those games because they're fighting. Mm. They're going to be fighting for playoff playoff spots this year, probably. Mm. Um, You mentioned Rathbone. I know we're going to talk about him a little bit in the second game because there were a couple guys who played both games, um, particularly on defense. Um, That first goal, he where Rathbone again, this is a defenseman. He gets a breakaway. (laughs) <laughs> and just tucks it in. It's a beautiful shot. And then does it again in the in the shootout, in the, the meaningless shootout after the game. It doesn't matter, even if it is like unimportant. Like that was good. He he looks very comfortable for a guy who has again, this is a case for I think for most of the guys we mentioned today, guys who don't have a lot of experience at the pro NHL level going up against guys who they shouldn't be able to necessarily keep up with or necessarily be already well-equipped to play against Mm -hmm. and doing just fine and looking like they belong right in, right in there. Uh, Like, like Silobs is another guy where I think like, yeah, for the early, for like the first half of that game, uh, he ended up getting, uh, they ended up doing the usual preseason thing where Spencer Martin came in in the second, in the, uh, the the third period uh, and took over. Uh, he was tracking the puck very well. He seemed, again, he seemed very much in his, in like he belonged at the NHL level in that game. There was the one point where I, he just flat out robbed, I think it was Jordan Eberly, like right on the goal line. Yeah. He just, he just, he took a sure goal away. Right. Like, and right on the goal line. It was an incredible stop. He looked very, like, there were obviously moments where he was caught a little bit, you know, caught a little bit more like flat-footed or def- or had mm-hmm. like his position just a little just that inch off where you know that that difference between an AHL shooter going up against you and an NHL shooter that guy can just find that hole that goal that goal a little bit better right um there was he he did very well and Klimovich is another guy where again you and I have been really on the whole ah but he's going to the Q ah but he's going to the to the A 
And yeah. but while still always talking about the fact that he wants to play NHL minutes, he did pretty good. Like he looked, mm-hmm. he he didn't look out of place against NHL yeah. competition. There was the one play that I'm the that I really liked from him. Um, it didn't amount to a goal or anything, but it was a play in the in the in the Seattle zone. Uh, they I think that their line had been out for quite a bit at this point in the game or like in, on that shift. Um, and he's like in the corner. He's kind of near the corner. He ends up winning a puck battle uh, after like there had already been just a flurry of chances on the Seattle net. And he has the the foresight to instead of trying to uh, just try and set up for another pass again, he thinks he gets a he gets a he takes like a quick uh, quick kind of like far side shot at Chris Drieger and just to see if he can get a rebound to pop out. And sure enough, Drieger's not expecting it. And it immediately just right into the slot for somebody. And there's just no one could get a handle on it to get the second shot away. Yeah. But that was one of those things where it's like, that's a, that's a smart play. Like that, that case of you're already tired. You know, you're probably not going to get another good look at this, at the shot before the, before they take the puck away, just throw it on net and see what happens. Like see if you can just get something to go, especially in that kind of a close game. I like that from him. I like the idea that he's just trying to turn that he turned what could have been a very nothing play into something into into a scoring chance very quickly. And that's kind of what I'm looking for from from him. Yeah, the the obvious things that he does need to work on, like he does tend to puck watch a bit. Like when he does have possession, like he's very dynamic and you can tell like he's looking for ways he can turn nothing into a scoring chance. Like that's great. But like the board battle stuff, like he really needs to work on that. Like I noticed in the neutral zone zone and the offensive zone, like he's pretty much like he's not engaging with his body. He's not engaging with a stick either. He's just kind of like, like, I should just be standing here and hope and try and kick the puck or block block passing avenues. Like it's a very he's, raw instinct. He's clearly used of, to being the guy who somebody else is going to fish that out for him to for him to shoot. Yeah, with. that's yeah. what it looked like. It looked because uh, if if you guys don't know, uh, he played last season in the Belarusian men's second tier league, which mm-hmm. is like a men's pro league. But obviously, when you're an 18 year old who Bare, like is barely 19 i don't even know if he's turned 19 yet he might not he's have. young might not he's no. he's really young anyway he's but, fresh very fresh yeah so that's why like the the likelihood of him actually making the nhl team is pretty low yeah ahl is pretty low he can go to the queue and like light it up but he's shown enough like raw skill where you're like you know i could I could maybe see him getting like an eight game look in the nhl just purely out of like that curiosity talent out of curiosity yeah. like they have his rights they have him on the contract he can still be on waivers yeah. if they um or so he'll still be waiver exempt even if they throw him to the queue yeah. why you, not you don't you don't yeah you don't burn his elc if you play him in nine games or less go for it yeah give it, give it a look i yeah. i don't know i don't know how that works if he goes to the ahl like i don't know if that's the same rules like if that that rule i think if he goes to a that will like it's it's games accrued i believe so i'm pretty sure yeah, if he plays like ahl games like it counts as pro experience and therefore yeah. his elc will start to tick like that's why Maybe. jonah gadjevich's was delayed by two years it's because yeah. he didn't play any games I wonder if there's like a situation where they could go, we, we keep, where they keep him say for four games at like the NHL five games at the a, and then go with Tim to the Q or if that's too much shuffling, if that's a it, little too much shuffling. It might be. I think they, I think for like Travis, like I feel like Travis green would be the type where he just wants to get like a good look. And I think mm-hmm. like the management staff too would be like, you know, 
we can put him in the against the A, but it won't really matter, like because he's not going to be there for three years anyway. So let's just see what he can do in the NHL. Like one. Honest, honestly, the fact that we're even like talking about this as a serious possibility is frankly marks on him like a good like a yeah, mark next exactly. to him. Because again, we were very quick to say like in the last couple of shows, we're both like, yeah, there's no way. Like it's it's nice that he's got the confidence in himself to get that far, but no, yeah. there's no there's no chance that he's going to play any NHL games this year. But here he is actually making a decent, making a real solid effort to try and make that team right away. And that's, and that's good on him. Like, I want to see that compete from him uh, wherever he goes. Hopefully that's like, that's just his style and who he is as a player. Maybe he'll go to the, if he goes to the QMJHL with that kind of work ethic, he's going to absolutely rip that league to shreds. Like he's, he's that good. He's that, uh, he's that competitive. It's great to see. Yeah. He'll be he'll be one a fun one to watch. Um, when we get into game two, which was a bit more competitive, I say for the NHL roster for the Canucks. Yes, not at all for the Flames. They were icing about as rookie and inexperienced as a team as it can possibly get, with the exception of like Brett Ritchie and uh, uh, Andrew Mangipiani. Mangipiani. Otherwise, it was basically the Flames Stockton Heat team versus the most of the NHL team. The Canucks still were rolling out a lot of kids trying to prove themselves. That tends to be their preseason MO where they have like two, like a line and a half of NHL stars where you know where they're going to end up and Mm -hmm. a pairing or two of guys you know are going to be in the NHL. That's kind of their MO. They love to test and see who's going to, you know, earn a shot, right? Earn that yeah. final NHL roster spot. And I think game two had the most traction and movement both up and down for players proving themselves or maybe not proving themselves worthy of an NHL roster spot. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with you this time since I went first last time. Uh, okay. Just some standouts for you from uh, the game two game. Or actually, sorry, I guess I should we should recap it. Canucks won 4-2. Uh, yes. It was kind of close a little bit towards the end when uh, the Flames got within one goal, but uh, Canucks regained a, a two-goal lead off of a gorgeous snipe from Tanner Pearson, of all people. And yeah. uh, Michael DiPietro stood on his head a bit, provided some highlight reel saves down the stretch. Uh, overall, it was a fun game to watch, and a lot of yeah. young guys out there to prove themselves – so for you, Lachlan, uh, some of your standouts from that game. Standouts from that game. I'll start with the fact that with uh, the actual crowd in attendance at that game, because first time the Canucks have played in front of a home crowd since 2020 or like Mar- March 2020. That's pretty great to see. Like it was good to have that's fans. That's crazy. As, even as like, you know, there was the, we were all making fun of the whole, ah, oh, they charged too much for tickets uh, in, for this Abbotsford game. Uh, for they, sure Abbotsford. Did. they sure did. They did. No doubt about it. But the crowd made up for the la- for the say lack of numbers pretty well. Like they were loud. They were engaged. They were having a good time. Um, they got they got pretty loud. I I got I think Daniel Wagner was tweeting about how the crowd got because he, he was in the building. The crowd got up and going after that Tanner Pearson shot at the end. Like that was a, yeah. a late beautiful winner. Um, uh, I I'm I definitely want to talk. I mean. Rathbone again looked very good. Um, I think the other the standout for me 
was I think, you know, Connor Garland looked very good. Connor Garland is a guy who I really, you know, I, I loved his, his first, the first goal of the game that he scored, I think was such a good example of what he brings to the Canucks. Like it was, it was very much a case of this. He gets the puck. He, uh, he, he skates in, he gets the first shot uh, and then battles his way to that second shot, to that second rebound, to the rebound and, mm-hmm. and puts it in. That's, that's exactly the kind of like mixture of like good offensive minded abilities and his tenacity in terms of like being able to battle defenders, uh, around the net is that he was brought in to do. So the fact that he came in and scored that kind of a goal right out of the gate is, I think bodes very well for him in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, and then another goalie standout really Mikey DiPietro he was phenomenal like and another case of a guy who hasn't played a lot I mean you and I talked about plenty last season how he didn't play he played one game he played one AHL game all year this is your potential this is a potential goalie of the future that you only got into one game that's not that can't be good and then he comes into this game and you know you're you're probably like ah he's gonna be a little raw he hasn't played he hasn't had real game action in a very long time it's been pretty slow going for him mm-hmm. he was phenomenal he got everything he was missing last season all out in one game like there was the one play in front of the net he makes the great he makes that stop right in front of the net Andrew Manjapane starts digging at the rebound and then he basically just bowls into DPHO like he got all <laughs> yeah. the game action he missed last yeah, season pretty much out of the way in one game he made multiple huge stops especially like late in the game he had a couple just like he had a couple game saving stops even though they were up by two like there were a couple plays in there where he was just phenomenal and being able to just and taking and literally yeah just save the game for the Canucks at multiple points in that game I think that's huge for him Mm -hmm. obviously this season is going to be big for him that's his home rink that's going to be his home rink for a lot of this year uh, and potentially all of it, uh, depending on what they do with Yarrow Halak, uh, come March. But yeah, he was incredible. What about, what, what did you think of, and who did you, who did you, who stood out for you? Uh, Garland, same for me. That's top of my list. Um, he had a pretty sleepy preseason camp to begin with. Like you didn't really hear his name pop up a lot. Apparently he struggled in the bag skate, which yeah, I yeah. Mean, take, take it as it was like, whatever. It's just yeah. a, fitness test but he didn't really stand out no one was really talking about him so i was like kind of like okay is he gonna start showing something but i love to watch him play man he uh he covers a lot of ice with his skating good speed good tenacity on the four check always hounding on loose pucks and uh that goal of his where he gets the initial shot and follows it up with the rebound and scores you love to see you love to see it yeah. um other standouts you know i thought pod colson did pretty good for like a brand new rookie uh english isn't his first language like that's a that's a tough that's a really tough thing to do when you're adapting to not only north american ice but you're doing it with an entire team not a single person speaks russian besides danila klimovich who isn't in the lineup and is also a rookie so not very helpful and you're tasked with being on a line with two like credible veterans of the game connor garland's still pretty young he hasn't really gotten that much nhl experience but he knows how to score and knows how to succeed in the league jt miller's been around forever and he's a veteran but that's like a very intimidating thing to come into as a brand new rookie who pretty much is just trying to learn how to play a new style of game 
Uh, I noticed in the third period, he started playing either like he was like tired or if he was starting to have doubts in his own game or something, because as thanks to Chris Faber of Canucks army, we all know uh, his ice time situation in the KHL. If he'd make a mistake, he would be stapled to the bench for the rest of the game. And so he had a few moments where he fumbled on some passes, kind of threw it away when he may maybe didn't need to. And he kind of like eased off a bit. He'd still like, you know, hound on pucks and like, you know, engage in battles and like do some really good things. But you could tell just by the way he was playing, like it was almost like a concerted effort because he was scared of making further mistakes. But Travis Green doesn't really care about that. We all know that because of Niels Hoglander. He lets the young guys make mistakes and learn on the fly. So for a first game preseason, regardless of his AHL competition, I thought he acquitted himself very well. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he does say on Friday versus the flames again. Hopefully that's more of like an NHL team versus an NHL team and not like the, you know, someone icing their AHL squad versus the other, like just so you can kind of get a real sense of like balanced competition. Um, other than those two though, obviously there's Rathbone cause he was, you know, a fucking stud trying to carry whatever pairing he was on at all times, both defensively and offensively. Uh, Jonah Gadjevich was my final standout from the night. I thought Interesting. he like, there's there is the asterisk right because we know the flames played mostly their stockton ahl team right granted gadjevich is used to playing against ahl teams so it's good that he acquitted himself with a very impressive performance against guys that he's you know tip he should be used to playing against and you know his speed looked good he kept he was getting opportunities, wheeling down the wings, like a power forward and just like out muscling guys for loose pucks on the half wall. And he had a great setup to help chase waters, score his first goal. Like of all people, chase waters is uh, the first guy to score for the Canucks. Like that is so great. And it's not Gadjevich just standing at the front of the net doing tips. It's him utilizing a side of his game that I think doesn't get nearly enough credit. I've always said in my game recaps that one of his best attributes is as a playmaker. He's just not deployed as such because of how good he is at using his size to maintain the slot or the net front. So that was great to see. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty with like the, the forward group and the fact that someone like him, who a lot of people wrote off after last season had such a strong performance. Yeah, it's inter- it's inter- it's especially interesting hearing you talk about Gadjevich because uh, for anyone who ne- necessarily is newer to the show, you're somebody who's uh, talked a lot about you know how you feel Gadjevich is has potential, but there's you have you definitely you've had your critics your critiques you've had your right. critiques and no and you've had your notes about how he's and how he plays. So it it is it's good it's especially it's good to hear that you felt he looked good and that you you feel like there's something there from him especially like I take that more into account as far as what he potentially is possible of, what's capable for him if he if you're liking what you're seeing out of him so far and stuff like that like there's potential there's hope for him that he finds that part of his game and that they might see that more often from him especially uh playing closer to home here now for him yeah and I think it was also great that he was 
it wasn't just like like on an individual level where he was having a good game and everyone around him sucked. Like I really, I really thought him and Will Lockwood like they work together as like a duo. We've heard that phrase a lot uh, around camp is the idea that Travis Green uses duos for his preseason on figuring out his line combinations, his team setup. He likes to use duos and you know kind of match around those. I think. In the AHL, Lockwood and Gadjevich had like a ridiculous goal share together. They had, I don't know, like 17 on ice goals for and only four against and like a 70% Corsi rating. Like they, for whatever reason, just gel together when they're on the ice. I don't know if Natural Stat Trick tracked last night's game, but it felt like when they had their moments of forechecking in the offensive zone. Like they got a lot of good chances and a lot of good setups. Maybe they were missed shots or whatever, but they still generated a lot. And I think that's because Gadjevich's skating has improved quite a bit. Like I was thoroughly surprised at how well he was doing at keeping pace with the Will Lockwood on uh, end-to-end rushes, like three on twos. Like last season, it looked more like he was really struggling to keep up on rushes but he looked fine and that bodes well for him he had like a great quote after the game where he was basically like you know i'm not paying attention to what happens next i'm just trying to make the team uh he's like i lost weight i worked on my skating to try and you know boost my speed and it shows yeah he looks great um obviously you'd want to see him like maybe get time on the power play or penalty kill but that's up to the coaching staff and whether they actually view him as a viable bottom six option. Uh, Lockwood has been getting looks on the penalty yeah. kill. So maybe they, that think, was, that's another you know, guy him. who we should mention is Lockwood. We have, we haven't touched on him yet, but Lockwood yeah. has been very good. This like, he hasn't I, had, I don't think he has any points, but he's been like a standout through all of training camp and all the preseason so far. He's been very good. Yeah. He, it's interesting because there's a there's a problem with the bottom six. Like I I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but their bottom six guys like usually they like guys with speed who you know can corral the puck and like do something with it. But mm-hmm. a lot of the guys on in their bottom six auditions right now that are struggling to actually control the puck and do something with it. So I love Will Lockwood's speed. He's all over the place. He's throwing his body. He's just reckless abandon. But he's never really touching the puck. But because he's attacking so aggressively with hits or body checks or just like engaging in in board battles, it's allowing players like Chase Waters or Jonah Gadjevich to pick up the puck and do something with it. So it's very interesting that, you know, Lockwood may not have like the puck possession time, but he's still seeing like the results from his efforts. Mm-hmm. Whereas, say, that Matthew Highmore or Zach McEwen, who were on a line last night against uh, the Flames, never touched the puck. Mm. like just maybe once or once twice, or twice like a quick pass up. yeah a yeah. quick pass or maybe they'd enter the in. offensive yeah. zone they'd dump it in or they'd like take like a low percentage shot from the outside and it would get gloved down and that would be it mm-hmm. but otherwise there was no cycling with that line they're constantly chasing the play and if i'm the coaching staff i'm going okay outside of penalty killing i like you're useless to me if you're just going to be chasing the play Right, and that was kind of their critique of Adam Gaudet last year well, when it's true. he was just chasing the puck all the time, never had possession, and it because he's 
only known as a shooter and a scorer, if you're always chasing the play, then what good are you? And so I look at those two and like guys like Phil Di Giuseppe, who also had a really great game against yes, Kraken. Like he true. played really good. And I, he in was- that one game, I was kind of like, I think he's like a sure thing now on the fourth line over McEwen over Highmore. Like yeah. that's just, that was just my instinct off of one game because of yeah. how well he did against the NHL team. And they're looking for a fourth, a whole fourth line right now because they Clearly. only have, they only, cause you know, Sutter's not here. Mm-hmm. Mott is, it was, well, that's, that's an Bailey's interesting, one. Sutter, we haven't heard, we haven't even heard a lot of, from Sutter right now. Um, yeah. Mott is in Vancouver and training, but he's hurt. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, Justin Bailey got, uh, we, we talked about Justin Bailey on the last show uh, with COVID and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're looking for a whole fourth line yeah. and for Phil and Phil Di Giuseppe has taken the ball on that and ran with it so far. He's yeah. looking very, he looks, he looks very good. And he also, you know, to be fair, he also has the most NHL experience, I think out of the group fighting for that, yeah. for that position, but doesn't matter. He looked good. He looked good against yeah. a, a quality NHL team. Um, what did you think about OEL? Cause OEL also had a, huh. was named first star of the game. Uh, yeah. On, uh, which I that thought was, was a bit weird. weird. That was like, a bit odd. He had a couple like assists. He was like, good. Sure, he had three points, but it was like he was good. They were like, I, I don't know. I would. I thought Dibiatro should have been it. Should have been number one. Of course. Like that was just my thought. <laughs> say so. I think every single time I watched him in the 2019-2020 season, he was always like a star because the way the guys say like make saves, they're always so very acrobatic and fun. Mm-hmm. I think I had the tweet last night being Short like King like. Michael DiPietro makes goaltending interesting because everything is so like wild and like fun, even though I'm sure Ian Clark is in the stands just going like, what are you doing? Like, why are you, why are you sprawling and like fly flailing your body around? Like, I'm sure he hates that, but it's (laughs) so fun to watch. Um, But yeah, in regards to OEL didn't deserve first star DiPietro was at least a two. I, I, really think jack rathbone should have got his first star that guy (laughs) like he everyone knows he's an offensive defenseman everyone knows he's got like a great pass he's got great skating he's got great reads in the defensive zone as well but he's added this facet of his game especially in last night's game against the flames where he was just working his bag off in the defensive zone to regain controlled possession it wasn't like Luke Shen or Tucker Pullman just throwing the body around, trying to knock guys over and then, you know, get a pass out to the forward. Yeah. Jack Rathbone is battling to dispossess guys and then wheel away with the puck and try and break out of the zone himself with his skating or with a controlled pass through the neutral zone. All on his own, every single shift. He's basically being like, I can do it all. You can trust me to be on your second pair or third pair, guys. And I think he might have cemented his place because he looked yeah. fucking good he looked yeah he looked very good oh and yeah he rathbone looked very good and you know uh there was like that one set where he made a really good defensive stop in his own end and then tyler myers also did the same thing so <laughs> like also made a good defensive stop so who knows maybe that's a maybe that's a pairing that works like you you never know which, i i had my doubt which would be shocking but which would be shocking I, because we talked about it i think last how season you don't and this him. season we're like yeah they don't seem to have any chemistry, even though all the stats say like, you know, they were great offensively together and at preventing yeah. scoring chances, but it was just like, 
the it's, eye test says like work. they it, the, don't it shouldn't work gel. yeah no yeah but, and yeah, they, they look they right. look fine like tyler myers did did good was good last night like he looked he looked he looked good last night there was a couple plays where he got just somebody just hurt him twice in the same yeah. play you felt bad for him he just got like bold there was I, the face then he got like and then i got like a puck to the new leg something. yeah i think he got i think he hit a puck hit him while he was getting like on a block or something um, but yeah, him, they look, they look, they looked okay as they look pretty good as a pairing. Um, yeah. and then yeah, with OEL, like I think OEL was at least was a star of the game. Like I agree that he shouldn't have maybe mm-hmm. been number one, but again, preseason, yeah. who cares? It doesn't matter. Uh, he, yeah, it doesn't matter. But the fact I will that say he I was liked, considered yeah. is great news. Yeah. I, I at least like as far, if, as far as a preseason debut is concerned, if that's what you're going to see out of OEL, he looked fine. Yeah. He looked pretty good. He was you know, some of the stuff about, you know, some of the worries that we might have had about him after the bag skate thing. He yeah. looked he looked totally comfortable. He was making good pa- he was making good crisp passes. He had a great tribute to Alex Edler with that perfect drop pass. Was that and that was yeah, to Tanner yeah. Pier to Tanner Pearson, I believe. Yeah, for the goal. Who just ripped it for that final goal. That was very classic. Like the fact that he's wearing 23 and then does it's... that was such a was such a like it was one of those Oh, like, but also like, you're sad. Like you're just sad. It, you're like, dang, that, it was, that so used to be weird. Eddie. <laughs> it was so weird watching the number 23 skating so fast. And I was like, this doesn't seem right because yeah, <laughs> I wear glasses He's, because I can't see. And yeah. every time I look down, it just looks like Edler, but like yeah. he dyed his like goatee brown. Yeah. It's, it's so really, jarring. It's really weird seeing 23 passing the puck to his to eight and not and instead of chris tanov and alex edler it's yeah. connor garland and and uh and oliver ekman larson yeah uh it's such a weird it's such a weird sight like to see but on yeah they the for the for the new the two new guys the two new big acquisition guys uh look pretty good they look they look they look good in that game. Obviously, you want to see what they can do against a more a more NHL ready lineup because they didn't play in the Seattle game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as first impressions go, I I liked what I saw from those two. Yeah, it was a uh, it's exactly what like Canucks fans kind of needed. Like if there was any concern, because we've heard all about like OELs like skating, his pivoting ability, and like how how badly he'd regressed in Arizona over the last couple of years. It was again AHL Stockton Heat. We like I've said it a hundred mm-hmm. times already. But yeah, very least he looked all right. And sometimes uh, that's ev- all you need. Just everything we're seeing, yeah, everything we're seeing here is first impressions. It's all you know. Yeah. It's in some cases there are more like dire circumstances than others, which I'm sure you're gonna we're gonna talk about here in a second. Yeah. Um. But and you know you you don't want to make too big a deal about what you're seeing in the first two preseason games of the year. But this is what teams are doing, right? Like teams yeah. are using this to make their their final choices on who's going to play and who's not. And just and obviously Garland and Ekman Larson aren't in any worries about not making the team and or anything. Yeah. But if there's one thing we're very we're very uh, we know very well here in Vancouver, it's foreshadowing. And how often the Canucks have seen like foreshadow, like just a foreshadowing of just the worst possible events sometimes. So when you get a first impression that comes off well from a player, you're very, you like that. Like, that's a good, that's a good thing. That's very good for you out of, uh, for us. We're, we're very superstitious around here. It's almost as if there was another famous overpaid Swedish player who made (laughs) debut 
and it went as badly it, as, as the rest of imagined. his time in the organization went. Yeah, just it's weird how that went. Yeah, um, it's weird. Yeah, it's so weird how that happens. Yeah, but no, uh, it's a good, it's a good, good weekend for the Canucks games, regardless of losses and wins. Just yeah, a lot of good takeaways. But um, I guess we'll get into the player stock status because yeah. that's kind of what matters the most. Is that like regardless of you know, wins or losses, like obviously our perceptions of may have changed on some players. So I guess we'll start off like just some players that you think their stock rose over the weekend. I mean, we've touched on a few of them already. Like mm. Rathbone was one. Like this is here's the thing, right? Like last week we were talking about Rathbone, like he was fighting for number six, spot number six or spot number seven, even. Now mm. you're Right now, I think everybody has him penciled in a meet or in frankly in some people have pen, him in pen, yeah. In pen in your top four because he's just that good. He's yeah. looked just that good uh, through two games. I don't think there's I have no doubt in my mind that Rathbone, the Canucks are better with Jack Rathbone on the ice than they are without him. They're very clearly, yeah. in my mind, a better team with him than without him. And yeah. I don't see and you would have the mental gymnastics you'd have to do to rationalize sending him to Abbotsford versus starting him in your opening night lineup right now is not worth it. And I don't think, I don't think Travis green's going to do that. So I think he's clearly his stock has rose quite a bit. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to get a lot more opportunities uh, in certain aspects, especially on things like special teams uh, Mm. to start the year than we might've expected him to get uh, coming into training camp. Yeah, he he is like a beneficiary of Quinn Hughes still not being re-signed because mm-hmm. with Hughes out, no matter how long that's going to be, that's an entire preseason where he or Oliver Ekman Larson are manning power play one and power play two. Yeah. And so he has all the opportunity in the world to, to cement himself as a guy that they can't leave off of their roster. And yeah. even without it, like I'm still convinced like he's like the second best left shot guy on their team yeah or sorry not yeah. not second uh third third <laughs> at the very least yeah at the yeah. very least at the very least he's there and then yeah. you throw and then i would throw in you know um uh i think you gotta throw in you you mentioned di giuseppe in there mm-hmm. i think you throw him into the mix as well on that one yeah. um as far as the defense is concerned um yeah, I don't. I I mean, as far as the rest of the defense is concerned, I think it's mostly just Rathbone is the standout there. I yeah. think the Brad I'm, as well. Brad Hunt. I, I admittedly didn't. Yeah, I admittedly, game. I admittedly didn't notice Brad Hunt too much in that first game. But honestly, maybe that's kind of that's that's his vibe. Like that mm. might just be the kind of player he is. Like if you're note, you don't want to note. Like there are some players you don't want to notice. Like you do if they're just out there doing their job, having a clean game. And mm-hmm. you maybe don't think about them all too much. That's probably that's sometimes a good thing for them. I don't know. You might be looking for something different than I was. Um, but just yeah, yeah, like Brad Hunt didn't do any. There was no point where I was like, oh, Brad Hunt looked terrible yeah, on that. Like, and that's that fine. Yeah, exactly. There was no point in that game. And frankly, that's more important to me in some in some ways. Is I would I am more comfortable with a guy who you maybe don't notice as much rather than a guy you're clearly blatantly seeing making mistakes. So Brad Hunt would Fair. be in there as well. I, I would actually, I would even, because most people are saying apparently spent most of his time in Minnesota on the right side as a left shot defenseman. I could yeah. very much see like a world where like somehow he plays on the right side with, you know, 
OEL or whoever it is, U Levy, like whatever. If if Hughes, for example, is not signed until like a week or two inside the season, I, I could very well see it because one of my players who I'll get into for the stock status that dropped, I'll explain my logic. But otherwise, I think that the risers are pretty straightforward. It's like it's like the forward groups that you know maybe surprised and did more to establish that they're really working for the job. So that would be like the Klimovich's, the DJSEPs, the Gadjevich's, the Lockwoods. And then I guess there were more, there were more guys. There were the, the amount of guys whose stock like really rose is a lot smaller than I would say the group that saw their stock just go way down. Like that, like there were more there, like, and that's more to, I think that's a lot partially to do with the fact that there are a lot of like, players that have already are cemented into that lineup like this is a team that this is the the, out of the out of the last few canucks teams this is probably the one with the most cemented nhl roster right out of the gate on Mm -hmm. what they're bringing to the table basically all that they're looking for right now is three forwards and one defenseman essentially like that's all the spot they the spots available this time around and so, yeah, so the, that, I feel like that this, the, the group of people that really didn't do their, that did not uh, adhere themselves to the coaching staff is probably a lot wider than the group that really made a good impression. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think also it, it's an issue where I, this comes up a lot where people are like, oh, the guys that have NHL experience coming into this camp, like maybe they don't work as hard to try and keep their role because they know like how to not blow your wad in the first few weeks of a a preseason camp. Like you just can't go that hard because the season is long. Uh, Whereas these young guys are like gung ho. Let's let me just prove myself as soon as possible. The rest of the season can wait. It's just about getting in rather than staying in. And so naturally they look a lot better than like the high mores of preseason because Highmore is used to having the spot guaranteed for him because he can penalty kill. Um, One of the most interesting things about the game last night was that after Highmore had a shift on the team's penalty kill, Zach McEwen got a shift on the penalty kill. And typically he wasn't a good penalty killer at the AHL level. And he never did it for Travis last year in the NHL. So, this to me tells me that Highmore isn't cemented in his role and the coaching staff are basically saying to Highmore, we don't know if you've actually got a spot here. So we're going to audition every single forward to see what their penalty killing ability looks like because you're not giving us much otherwise. Um, That being said, one of my guys whose stock status dropped over the weekend was Zach McEwen. <laughs> yeah, I think both of yeah, I would both of I them did easily but... put both of those guys in that category. Matthew Highmore in particular was the one where I was like, I there were moments where I noticed Zach McEwen for doing good things, for doing yeah. relative like okay things. Matthew Highmore is a player like, and I know I just talked about how sometimes you don't want to notice a player or whatnot. Matthew Highmore is a player that you should that I should be noticing when he's out on the ice. I didn't even, I didn't once. There wasn't one case where I was like, wow, he really stood out and really made a conscious, smart play there. There wasn't one point where I watched him. I'm like, oh, this is a guy I want. He's, I don't even remember him much from training camp. Like, I don't feel like he's been as involved for a guy who, yeah, like you mentioned, probably 
is is absolutely should be fighting for that fourth line spot, especially with so many options open. I mm-hmm. thought Alex Chieson was a much better was much better for a, and has a much better chance right now than him. That's actually a guy oh, I should really? mention in the in the stock status right now is yeah. I think Alex Chieson has a chance to make this team right now. I think I that's, actually have one I, of my followers. Interesting. Okay, yeah. out of through. Okay, that's going to be interesting. I had Chieson because Chieson got power play time. He got power yes. play time. I believe he had an assist on one of the goals. He was yeah. on one of the goals in that in that second game. He looked okay. And right now, as far as I'm looking, if it wasn't for the fact that he's only on a PTO and not on a contract right now, mm-hmm. I like him on that fourth line much better than I like Highmore or even McEwen for that matter. You mentioned McEwen. Uh, yeah. You mentioned McEwen. Just like McEwen's in such a weird spot because he. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's just this, he doesn't mesh in this coaching, in this coaching staff. Like he doesn't mesh mesh on this, like on the the spots available to him. Mm -hmm. We talked about it last year a lot, how, like how you have to be kind of a little, you have to have that Jack of all trades mentality and ability to play on a third or fourth line for the Canucks. You just kind of have to fill a spot when it comes up, whether that's penalty kill, whether that's power play guy, whether that's blocking shots guy, you have to fill that sometime your way in is to fill that specialist role for a bit. And then they might carve out a bigger full-time regular role that fits you better. Um, McEwen doesn't really have that. I don't think there's a spot no. where I look at him where I'm like that. He's a, he's a good fix in this particular department. He's kind of just, he's kind of just there. He's kind of just takes up ice time. He's, I, I don't know. I'd like, I like to believe he could do more, but I'm just not seeing it from yeah. him right now. I think I think a lot of Canucks fans like just like the journey that he's taken because not a lot yeah. of guys come out of the, the Maritimes AAA Junior as an overager, undrafted, yeah. under, undrafted to the AHL in like two years, and then suddenly in the NHL. That's a great win for the organization. The fact that he's there, he worked hard for it. Like that yeah. season where he basically skated his bag off to prove that he had the work ethic to try and make the show like that's that's a great story you he's absolutely had a ton of adversity you want to root, for his yeah. root against it like it's yeah it's great that he's there unfortunately as the time has gone on in the nhl it's kind of shown that like he he's fast enough to keep up with the game but I don't think he has the IQ to actually do anything with it. And that's what I was saying earlier. Like he spends a lot of his games chasing play. It's a lot of, I'm going to have the, how I met your mother glass shatter moments. Yeah. Uh, But next time you watch him play count every shift where he is like a stride behind a forward, possessing the puck and he's one handing his stick and just going like this and trying to bat it there and hoping he knocks it off. But that's, all he can do that's all he did when he was on a line with Godet previous in the previous year he's just not fast enough to to disrupt and he doesn't really battle along the boards either like he throws hits but mm-hmm. he doesn't really engage in board battles like he's a perimeter kind of player uh so i just don't see think he has a place and maybe he finds a role as a penalty killer over di giuseppe or uh, Lockwood or Gadjevich or whatever. And he's just there because they know his work ethics really high, but he's got to show something in these preseason games where you can at least justify him being there. And yeah. I didn't see it in the game la- yesterday. Same thing with Highmore. Like he, he skates like the wind. 
but it's there's nothing coming from it. Like yeah. they, the McEwen Highmore line was centered by um, Justin Dowling, who's a yeah. very speedy, like probably like a credible fourth line center at the NHL level. Yeah. And they did nothing together. It looked like the three of them were battling each other and their opponents there were to get odd, noticed. They were an it odd mix. Terrible. Yeah. And when a trio of an AHL contract in Chase Waters, Will Lockwood, and Jonah Gadjevich is possessing the puck and cycling and following the play at a better rate than three cre- credible established players at the NHL level can, it's a bad sign. Yeah. Yeah, and that they out they they were everything that you want the fourth line that the Waters Lockwood uh Gadrich line was everything you'd want a fourth line to be in an NHL game. Like they they were they did they did exactly what they were asked to do in that role. Whereas yeah. that other or that group that you mentioned, they just weren't they just couldn't find it. They couldn't click. They weren't clicking. They didn't have that. They just weren't able to get that separation or make that play that one play that could potentially make them stand out. It was very yeah. much a a case of Blink and you'll miss it with them. Yeah. Um, okay, now the defense for the Fallers. Oh boy, this okay, is a tough one. The, the first one is going to make Wyatt aren't uh, really mad because this is his boy. I really thought Luke Shen looked bad in that first game against Seattle to the point where I was like, oh no, the Canucks right side is fucking doomed. Because... <laughs> With Hamannick potentially out, their right side is Myers, Poolman, and then Shen, or I That's guess it. and Hunt. Maybe. Hunt if he plays on his offside, and yeah. then you know there's Madison Bowie in the AHL most likely. Yeah. Um, but that is terrifying. That's a oh sorry, and Kyle Burrows as well, who I think actually acquitted himself pretty good. I think he did. Actually, I think he actually had a pretty like underrated game and looked like a pretty decent, like seventh defenseman option. Yeah. He came, and he, he was came playing in and... with Rathbone as well. Yeah. He and you know it. why, what? you know why he was playing with Rathbone is why? because Luke Shen had such a bad first period that they switched up the D pairings for periods two and three of that first game. Yeah. That's how struggled. bad he looked. He looked he... so slow. It was a it was a tough it was a tough first game for Shen for sure. Um, I I wonder a little bit just personally, like if maybe that was just a case of um, him getting a lot tougher matchups against an NHL roster, at, like an NHL roster, because again he was the only guy I think who had like say a hundred plus NHL games on that defense in that first game, so he yeah. was probably getting. Like paired, I think he was getting, uh, he was out on the ice a lot against, say, against the Eberly Schwartz and uh, I want to say Morgan Geeky was that first line. Yeah. Uh, out there, he, I think he was getting a lot of those matchups in that first year. But at the same time, Jack Rathbone was also out there for those shifts and he looked fine. So yeah. that's, that's, so that's, that's the, why that's he's the, a big faller for me. Is that's why it's the concern. Yeah. By and comparison, I, he looked pretty, pretty rough. Yeah, and I hedged a lot of oh, hedged a lot of bets on the idea that I really like Rathbone and Shen together, and I think yeah, they sh- should fit. In theory, they should fit. They should mm. be a good fit. Um, so I'm sad to see that at least so far it hasn't paid off. Um, he's in a way he uh, he's a little bit lucky that Hamannick isn't here right now because he could be in a lot worse a spot right now than he is because right now he still has the shot of being because it's still so early that you could potentially see a scenario 
where maybe they where they go okay like he's he'll like where they're where he's gonna make the team more or less um where versus say where if Hamnick's here he's very much like fighting with Brad Hunt for that last spot like he's yeah. very much in that seventh guy um I think I think he, I'm I'm waiting to see how he I want to wait and see how he does in the, in the next couple games before I make a total like a final call on him but yeah he hasn't been as good as I had hoped in the in the early going yeah and then the the big uh the big obvious uh defensive our, caller. our boy really frankly he's our boy uh, now show of the boy we, or boy boy of the show boy um, of the show Oli Olevi. he okay he uh it's a tough this is sad this is a this is this i is don't even want to go on it because I, like, you i'll know i'll take care i'll take care of this one like okay he just Yule sucked. Levy, okay, he he's sucked. Look, he got he got he got clearly called out by Travis Green uh, after training camp. That was a pretty blatant. Like I talked, like I remember, I asked you on the last show. I said, "Do you think to the coaching staff that maybe it's more about the, it's more about the how you handle it, how you uh, how you he answer the question than what the answer actually was." Uh, clearly that wasn't the case. Clearly it was immediately Travis was like, that didn't help him. Like he was very clear and adamant about that. And I'm like, I appreciate your honesty, Travis. Um, like that. Yeah. It did not help his cause at all. And frankly, Travis, but at the same time, Travis gave him two opportunities to go out and do something like he very easily after game one, where he was not good, could have gone out and could have been like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done here. This is, this is, we're already, this is already a lost cause. I don't feel like trying this again and uh and put him in the press box but he gave him a second shot and he didn't do anything with it he didn't do it he did absolutely nothing there was the one there was that i think it was the winning what ended up being the game winning goal in the first game against seattle where it literally went through his leg and then through spencer martin and in like it was i just mean that's an, definitely on martin because like how do you not stop oh, that but but oh you levy screening him for starters like okay. to a degree like i do but yeah spencer martin probably should have had that puck but at the same time that was a bit of a both guys made a made a made an made oopsie yeah they made a boo-boo on that one um it was a very much a team effort on that goal <laughs> um but yeah, there he is somebody who absolutely needed to make a good impression out of anyone on the, the Canucks right now. I think he is the one that absolutely needed to make the best impression out of anybody in the in his opportunities to play because he's in the hardest spot to get onto this team right now by a country mile. And he didn't do anything with it. I I I feel like you gotta at some point you gotta maybe cut your losses here with you, Olevi. I'm not really I don't see him as an eight as a seventh even here. I see him as Abbotsford again, I, like we just got over this. We just, he was just, he just got, you know, graduated to the NHL. Mm-hmm. And here we are talking about potentially having to send him down again, like, and for how long, you know, I, might be forever at this point, frankly. I think the best thing going for him right now is that Hughes is not signed because yes, without Hughes, there is a logic behind having Oli Ulevi as your seventh or third pairing left shot defenseman, even if he's not good at it, because the guys behind him, like Ashton Sautner, or you know who else would it yeah. be? Uh, a- Brad Hunt, maybe left side. Like that's it. That, yeah, but- it might have been Brady Keeper had he not gotten hurt. I think he's but- on the right side. Yeah, 
I'm, but, I mean, I'm still, just thinking like, at the, this point, like your seventh defenseman, right? It, it's probably going to be, it can be either or, right? Like yeah. it's not a case of being a guaranteed lock on that. Uh, what you, it might just be a case of whoever, what defenseman they like best, regardless of what handed they are. And mm-hmm. he's not doing that. So yeah, I, yeah. He's very, very lucky that Hughes is not here right now. He would not yeah. be even, yeah, he might be, he might be gone already. He, he might be demoted already. I was going to say he, he's the, he's the beneficiary of a few things. One Hughes and Pedersen aren't signed still in Travis Hamannick's uh, questionable status. If if the status of Hamannick is known and Hughes and Pedersen are re-signed, the biggest talking point from this preseason camp is his failure at the bag skate and his struggles in the preseason game. I thought he was fine in game two, which is why I'm like, I can see him being a seventh defenseman option or even the third pair without Hughes. But as it stands, like the only reason anyone here is talking about how he could be a third pair defenseman or a seventh guy on this roster is because the star superstar left shot defenseman is not signed. And that's, that's pretty brutal for a guy who's had a lot go against him in his hockey career. Um, I don't know. Yeah. There's not there's it's not a, much else we can add. It, it's yeah. it's a rough he's rough time to be only you have in the yeah. market. Did you read like uh, the thing about people were like grilling him during the game? Like in Abbotsford, they were like shit talking him. Like fans or yeah. like players? Oh, there's geez. some guy oh. in like section 105 who was just like, get used to being here, you bum. Like really Jesus. hard shit. That's it's like Come That's, on. Uh, yeah, again, like, like, let's be very clear, like, on this show, um, you know, I'm sure sometimes people like to spin us as, you know, you know, the ne- as negative media kind of thing and trying to group us in there. We want success for the players. Like, we want to see them succeed. Yeah. I would love it. I as would absolutely episode, right? love it. Yeah. When if you're, when you're Ulevi... talking about the shirts, we were like, yeah, Oli Ulevi making it and just proving everyone wrong is the best case scenario. Yeah. I would love it if Ole Ulevi sprouted and magically sprouted into a regular, incredible, capable NHL defenseman. I would love to see that from him, but it's just, it's feeling so much more and more like it's just never going to happen. It feels like a lot of it. And, you know, there's always the the thing with the Canucks where they're very weird or very cautious about ever moving on from a big top, big name, like big early first round draft pick if it doesn't pan out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've obviously seen a few circumstances of that, uh, recently. Um, and, but again, if you levy move, like I said, with the last guy, if you levy moves on to another team and magically turns into a better player, again, it should just cement for you that it was not going to be here. It just yeah. wasn't, it was, exactly. that was just not here was just not the spot he could do that in. And that's yeah. fine. That's how players are. Not every player. There's no one formula that fits every player. Every player is different. Yeah. And right now, Yulevi is just not fitting. The one thing that's working out for him right here in Vancouver right now seems to be the fact that uh, we made shirts with him on it. And uh, they've so far, he's helped raise uh, about 110 bucks for, for Canucks for Kids Fund. So that's nice. Thanks, Oli. Yeah. You're... you're- standing might, might be his highlight this year and i feel again i feel bad <laughs> i feel bad about that aspect i really wanted him to come out and prove and just yeah. make everybody eat cr- crow on that including us like that would have yeah. been great it would have been, been fine to eat there. crow on you know like yeah make you, us we're look never stupid. 
like if Tyler, if Tyler Myers, who's the guy I probably have been the most like critical of in the, the short three years on this show, if yeah. Tyler Myers goes out and scores the, like a Stanley cup, the Stanley cup winning goal for the Vancouver Canucks, I will build a statue of him in my home. <laughs> like you, you don't think I would absolutely be like, yeah, everything's forgiven with you right now. <laughs> I, I will never say anything bad about you yeah. ever again. I, like I take back every easy. mean thing I've ever said. Yeah. And again, I'm not necessarily critical because I don't like, the man just as much as i don't like the contract right it's yeah it's yeah you want the players individually you want them to have success you want them to prove to be able to prove us wrong for doubting them and it sucks when it doesn't happen like it really does it's it's a bummer prove me wrong kids prove me Me wrong wrong ah principal skinner great great Uh, great reference at uh finish that one off that's yeah. a yeah she that's it she definitely closed the episode uh with that video clip or that audio clip i don't think we'll get sued because the uh writers of the simpsons are pretty chill true but, but it is owned by disney now so they uh, and they are pretty litigious so i don't think i will but i would yeah. love to <laughs> just yes, know in spirit i would love to yes yeah. picture it in your heads kids um, picture it otherwise in your thank you guys um, um or do you do you want to go over over anything else or um, I, the one thing I did want to, there were two things actually I wanted to touch on, okay. uh, before we get out of here. One is it came out, uh, there were two things that came out. Uh, one was, uh, I believe the NHL is going to announce this week that they're moving on to these new, uh, green uniforms for this year, which I believe we saw last oh, night. Yeah. I believe they were wearing them. Yeah. I think they were wearing like them the, in that game. The yeah. non pla- or the anti-plastic or whatever. Yeah, it's made out of. I believe it's like a recycled ocean plastic uniform kind of thing. Uh, they're doing it for every NHL team. Among some of the stuff, they're actually like, they're actually doing some some cool stuff with some of the uniforms, like um, where like they're actually like um, embroidering in different areas, essentially to give them like different elements of like uh, in in the design that weren't that aren't there on just the normal like u- logos. Like, okay. you know, how the Golden Knights uniforms, how there's, like, that floral, like, pattern on the sides of the jerseys that's on the sides of the logo that's not there on mm-hmm. the actual, like, picture logo. They're doing yeah. stuff like that for a couple teams, including the Canucks, who are getting, like, the the ice chip on the outside of the Orca yeah. is going to be embroidered and, like, out and, like, a little bit kind of like a 3D element there. That's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Mostly I just wanted to mention that because, on it, like, you know, I know a lot of people are, you know, cynical about the whole, you know, uh, cap convention like uh consumerism uh, is st- environmental cons- consumerism is still bad for the environment kind of thing but like the way i look at it in that case is like you know they were gonna make those jerseys anyway if they're gonna make them out of more recyclable things i like that like i'm fine i like that like uh, anything to do like a little more like to do a little more the every little ch- thing we can chip away on that is good i think like that's fine hopefully yeah. you see it come to more things um, and then the one last thing I did want to touch on before we get out of here that I know uh, you'll probably want to talk about probably on the next episode as well. Um, but uh, before the game uh, yesterday, uh, the Canucks did the uh, did their Truth and Reconciliation Day ceremony uh, because yes. they won't have a game again until Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day is Thursday. I know this is a uh, this is a this is a cause that's very important, near and dear to your heart. Um, mm-hmm. I think they did a very good job. I think they did a really, I think they handled it very, very well. I loved seeing players like Bill Horvat and Vasily Podkolzin wearing those, uh, every, wearing every Child Matters shirts. Uh, yeah. That was incredible to see. I think the ceremony before the game was very well done and very classy and very, it was all around a very nice time, a very nice uh, thing to see the Canucks do. And they did it very well. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the team for doing so well on that. 
Yeah, I had a tweet about it basically saying like the the way the Canucks have handled um, their commitment to uh, Indigenous rights issues, starting with the National Truth and Reconciliation Day, is like way better than any other sports team and most organizations in Canada, maybe even in North America as well. They they've bought they not bought in, but they've committed to it like a lot. Like mm-hmm. look at what happened with the with the George Floyd murders and everyone's commitments to like, you know, ending racism, promoting diversity or whatever. And then like nothing really happened. It took the, uh, I think it's the black girl, the black girl hockey club with their, um, their uh, get uncomfortable pledge. Mm -hmm. And one team did it in like the first day. And then it took like, took a while, 12 other teams to maybe also do it, but no one really Mm -hmm. committed to it. Whereas on this issue, it was like, no question, the Canucks were just like, yeah, what happened to indigenous persons in our past? And that was ongoing until like now was a genocide and is a genocide. I don't even think the Leafs called it a genocide and the fact that they did and they stuck with it in their messaging for their pregame ceremonies on, uh, sorry, on Monday's game uh, was great. My only complaint is the audio for the Monday game was so bad you could barely hear anything. Yeah. So I'm if sure you're the ceremony the broadcast, was... you couldn't really hear it. But yeah. from what I could hear, because I had it blasted on my headphones so I could try and record it and hear it, still didn't really work. It sounded I'm sure it was much really better in powerful. Arena. I'm sure yeah. it was great in an arena. And I have faith that they might do some more during the season and continue on with different. Uh, programs and projects as the season goes on uh now that apparently they know who i am and i've interviewed the head coach of the abbotsford team maybe i can start (laughs) asking them these kinds of questions and get actual answers on it yeah maybe and yeah also you know bo horvat did a very good job like uh we you you touched you touched on this definitely yesterday uh i know Mm -hmm. i did as well just um bo horvat uh we've we've mentioned before that i think he's a very good captain and i because again i think being a, a captain of a hockey team i think being a cap frankly i think being a captain of any sports team really this should just this is any any major sports team uh it's a is it's not just a job that should it's not an, just an on the ice job it's an off the ice job too it's about being a leader because you're yeah. going to be front and center for your team uh in all things and in your in your community as well and i think uh, just hearing Bo Horvat talk about it and it, it's clearly like he clearly cares about it and it's clearly a cause that's close that that he act that he is yeah that he really cares about and that's important and that's important I think that sets a good precedent and I hope we and I hope we see him more like I I I, I quibble with maybe calling him say a star just because you know he's uh he's not necessarily like uh you know, the NHL is not necessarily making commercials out of him or anything of that sort, mm-hmm. but like as a captain of a major Canadian NHL franchise, like I hope that more NHL players like start taking a, taking a page out of his book and doing, and doing more stuff like that and being that outwardly and upfront about things like, like that, like that in the future. Yeah. He, he strikes me as definitely a very progressive fellow and he very much leads by example, both on the ice and off the ice. We learned that in the playoff bubble with the way he approached Ryan Reeves of the Vegas gold Knights about how they wanted to handle the protest against racial injustice. And uh, yeah, so a very unironic and very serious dudes rock because fucking Bo Horvat rocks, man. His, yeah. 
His reply, like the best thing about his uh, answer to the national truth and reconciliation thing was he didn't know anything, but he learned about it recently and he thought it was terrible. He didn't try and offer up some empty platitude or like, you know, pretend that he was like the authority on the situation. He just offered sympathy and empathy and the desire and commitment to himself and his team to learning more about the situation. And sometimes that's all you need to do. So respect so Mr. Horvat for that. That was awesome. Hell yeah. Um, otherwise, Great. this is a good way to end the show. Good way to end the show. Yeah. Though. Some serious positivity after shitting on Ali Levy for the second episode. Of <laughs> Anyways, folks, uh, I have been one of your hosts. I am Cody Sievertson. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Sievertson, my website, ahlnuxharvest.com, my Instagram for that site, which I barely use, ahlnuxharvest. Lachlan, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lock in the Crease. You can also find me at lockthecrease.com, where I do articles sometimes. And you can find me on Locked on Canucks, which I do Monday to Friday with Nick Bondi uh, on podcast platforms as well, if you haven't listened to my voice enough today. <laughs> um, also make sure to check out our, our Patreon, patreon.com slash creasegasp, uh, for five bucks a month. You can get bonus podcasts, other exclusive content where we've got some, we got some stuff coming, uh, actually pretty quick here, uh, before we get into the season going. So that's going to be, there's going to be some good stuff on there coming soon. Uh, some help is on the way as well for us as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've got a show, we got a show on Thursday as well this week. Um, and we'll be, and then next week we go into like the Monday, Thursday, regular schedule as we get kind of closer to that regular season. So keep an eye out for that as well. Indeed. Get ready for the uh, dual episodes where we hopefully aren't talking about Pedersen and Hughes's contracts every time. (laughs) God, that would be, I would love nothing more than to not talk about that ever again for a while. Um, also, also the shirts we mentioned, the, uh, the the always tired shirts are still available and yeah, every, all proceeds from those are going to Canucks for kids. So go, go check those out. If you want some crease cast merch, you know, we're, we're really happy. You guys have been liking those. And, yeah. uh, and hopefully we can help raise, we can raise a little bit more money for Canucks for kids fund over the next, like, I don't know, month or so. We'll, we'll probably, yeah. we'll set it. We'll set an end date at some point, maybe. I don't know, but yeah, yeah for now, we'll pick a random date, but otherwise yeah. check out our store. We'll have the link in the description of the YouTube channel and our podcast, wherever you get it, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, all them shits. Yes. Get the merch. I got mine ready. That should be on its way. I think first week of October, I think it said, I can't nice. remember, but I still got to buy mine. Oh my goodness. Well, I got two coming my way. Looks very comfy and represents how I feel right now, which is always tired. Tired. Until next episode, I'll hopefully be rested. Hopefully Locke will be rested and we'll have something positive to talk about. Thank you guys for watching and listening. We'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. Bye.